Now this message, I believe, can, can really put you into such a solid place of understanding and comprehension and application of, if I may call it so, the doctrine of faith. Amen? And it's a good note-taking message as well. Anyway, I'm titling today's message, Seven Keys to Make Your Faith Work. And that is the whole objective. What is necessary to make your faith work? Because faith works. <laughs> faith works. So if faith doesn't work, it's not because faith don't work. It might be something about your faith not working. So what keys are there? Seven keys to make faith work. All right, let's get started. Um, let's start with having a, a, a bit of a definition of faith. Now, there are several definitions of faith, and there's one that I want to go after, which is the reality of seeing the unseen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed, sorry, <laughs> that's Hebrews 11 verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. The substance that gives, very, that gives materiality to what we hope for, and it is the evidence, the proof, the confidence, the title deed of what is not seen. So, faith is a confidence, it's a wholehearted trust in God and trust in his word. And so, in a way, and I kind of, this is a bit of a play with words, but I think it captures, it has a lot of meaning. Faith is our responsibility. God is God. And they that come to him must believe that he is God and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. They that come to God must believe. Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is your responsibility. Faith is your responsibility. And listen to this. Faith is your responsibility, the right response to God's ability. The right response to God's ability. Now, for this study, I want to focus on this particular element of faith. Seeing as God sees. Seeing as God sees. Having confidence in the unseen. Having confidence in the unseen. Seeing as God sees. Back to Hebrews 11 verse 1 again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. The evidence of things not seen. Confidence in the unseen. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, it says, We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. We look at the things that are not seen. How can you look at the things that are not seen? You're going to have to see the unseen. And faith is the very vehicle by which you're able to see the unseen. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. The things that are not seen. That is the focus. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, not by the five physical senses and the reasoning thereof, but we walk by faith. And not by the five physical senses. You can think of it this way. And this is a good way to see it. Think of faith as, as, as a sixth sense. God has given us five physical senses So that we can navigate within the natural physical world. We have sight. We, have, we can see. We can hear. We can taste. We can smell. We can touch. We can feel. But... Those senses, those five physical senses, don't work in the realm of the spirit. In the realm of the spirit, God has given us this sense, this sixth sense that is called faith. And the just shall live by that faith. Now, just, to, to, to sh just so that you can capture this sixth sense, think of it this way. Here you are in the physical, and you hear, you hear the voice of your child screaming. And the, and the scream has such sense of pain. What's your response? Do you consult with your other four senses? 
Do you consult with your eyes before you respond? Do you consult to be with your with, 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 with your um with, with, with your feeling, with your taste, with your no. You heard and you hear the voice of your child with such a painful screech. But what do you want to do? You will, you will forget about those other senses, whether it looks like it, feels like it, and you're just going to head out and try to take some action in order to bring relief and comfort and deliverance to that child. In other words, you will trust on that sense of hearing, and you will trust in it and disregard the other four senses. Well, it's the same thing in the realm of the spirit. You are trusting the, 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 the sixth sense of faith and you disregard the other senses. If you smell something burning in the oven, what do you do? Right? Do you decide, wait a minute, I'm going to wait until I see it? Do you decide I'm going to have to, uh, I mean, I want to hear it, but it's burning? No. You're going to do something. You're going to head out to that oven and you, or you're going to head out to that stove and you're doing it, you're acting just on that one single sense that says, I smell something burning. Well, that is what faith is like. It's the sixth sense that te- helps you to navigate in the realm of the spirit. And so you respond to that faith. And, you're not, and you do that with, with, with disregard to the five physical senses. All right. So what am I talking about? So faith... And what, here's what we want to focus on, which is the confidence in the unseen. Looking not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Now, so then, now, how then, uh, 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 let's talk about the operation of faith. The operation of faith. Um, the operation of faith. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, we have received the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, we believe and therefore speak. According as it is written, we believe and therefore speak. Now, just so that I can, I, I can bring some strength, inject some strength into your understanding regarding faith. Let's pause for a moment and, and consider this word believe. According as it is written, we believe and therefore speak. Now, this believing is not just believing that, but it's believing in. You see, someone can say, I believe, I believe that God can do so, so, so. And, that's, and that might be correct. But that's not necessarily believing in God. Because to believe in, you're going to have to have a wholehearted trust. The devils believe that that God, that God is that Jesus is the Son of God. The, be- the devils believe that Jesus was raised up from the dead. The devils believe that Jesus is coming again. And they even tremble. But they don't believe in him. You see, so you can believe that or about this and, and for it. But it's another thing to believe in. For you to believe in God and in Jesus, you are giving your life to him. You are receiving him. You are trusting him. You have confidence in his character. So you believe in him. Amen? All right. So here's second. So we're talking now about the functioning of this faith, this confidence in the unseen. So Second Corinthians 4 verse 13 says... We receive the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, we believe. So you see what this believing is? It's not a shallow believing. It is a believing in. It is having a confidence. And we therefore speak. Now, to get a, a, to get a, a, a more complete picture of how this faith operates... Ultimately, faith is to, is to, is to when, you become, when you're operating in that spirit of faith, when you are truly operating in faith, it, it is to consume you. And for that reason, let's consider this, the word conversation. Psalms 50 verse 23 says, Unto him that orders his conversation aright, I will, sh- I will show the salvation of God. God says that when your conversation is ordered to be in line with his, he will cause salvation, deliverance, wholeness, prosperity. 
whatever salvation is in that situation, if you order your conversation right. Now, what do you mean by conversation? Is it merely what you say? It includes that. But your conversation is your conduct. It's the way you think. It's the way you speak. It's your attitudes. It's your actions. It's your believing. It's all of that. So, this to get a more complete operate, uh, understanding of the operation of faith, this faith has to, affects how you think. You think in agreement with the word of God. You think in accordance to that which is not seen. And that's where your confidence is. You have an attitude of expectation. You have an attitude of rejoicing. You have an attitude of thanksgiving. You have an attitude that is consistent with having confidence in that which is not seen. You are speaking in accordance to that which is not seen. You are calling those things that do not yet exist in the natural as it exists in the unseen realm. And you are acting accordingly. Amen? Now, God says when your faith is functioning like that, and you are so ordering your conversation, God says, I'm going to manifest salvation, deliverance, wholeness, prosperity. Now, if you just stop and you pause and you can consider what I've just said, you will see why in some areas of your life, you haven't gotten the results that the Word of God promises. Because you are, in, you are, in, uh, you are like in a pseudo partial faith, but not a wholehearted faith, not a real believing, not a real trusting, not a real where your soul is tied up, not a, I mean, you might be speaking one thing, but then your attitude contradicts, and, and, and you're, 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 um, you're believing, you don't really believe what it is you're saying, and your actions contradict. Are you with me? What are we talking about? Now, I'm heading somewhere, we're not there yet, but we are heading into finding out what are seven keys that will cause your faith to work. And I would really like to go even further and say seven keys that will cause your faith to work the way God's faith work. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now the scripture tells us again that our conversation, Philippians 3.20, let your conversation be as it is in heaven. In other words, let your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your actions, let your faith be in line with how it is in heaven, according to heaven. Say according to heaven. Jesus said when you pray, you ought to pray that it be on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Here's another verse of scripture. Philippians 1 verse 27 says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Let your conversation be consistent with the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is the sacrifice of Christ. So your conversation is to be consistent and in harmony with the sacrifice. With Jesus dying, being buried, resurrecting, shedding his blood, ascending to the Father's right hand. And now that you are born again, you have his life, you have his name, you have his word and his promises. So when your faith is consistent, must be consistent with the gospel, with the sacrifice, with heaven. And then here we go again. Conversation, I'm, and I'm using this word conversation so you don't get this partial image of faith, but rather you can understand what it is because this is what God has placed in your spirit as a gift, and this is how we are to function. So here's a here, here again this conversation. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, verse 24, it was talking first of all to strip off the old man with his conversation in verse 22. The way the old man used to think and believe and speak and his attitudes and his actions and his murmuring and his complaining and his doubting and his wondering. Strip that all off and put on the new man. Put on the conversation of the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In other words then, faith must also be consistent with the very essence of who your born again spirit is. It must be consistent with the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. It must be consistent that on the inside of you, you've got the peace of God which passed all understanding. Because everything that God is has been deposited in your spirit. The scripture says, um, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. So put on the conversation of the new man is to put on, take that new man and who he is and how he is on the inside and let him be on the outside. Let him affect your attitudes. Let him affect your actions. Let him affect your speaking. Let him affect your believing. Hallelujah. Amen. Now if we stop right there, 
that would be a good message of faith. Amen. No, that would be enough for you to just go and meditate and see how you are to behave and how you are to act. All right. But now here is something very interesting. In all of those, um, in all of those that I just referred to, faith is according to heaven. It's according to the new man. It's according to the sacrifice. Each of those are unseen. The sacrifice is unseen. The new man is unseen. How it is in heaven is unseen. So how am I going to see the unseen? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Romans 10 verse 17. So you have to get a hold of the word of God so that the word of God could reveal unto you the unseen. And because you're a believer, you believe that word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But all of it is revealed. It's all connected to the unseen. And again, this is why I'm letting this be the, the foundation or the, the, the central um, uh, uh, thing to which everything else in this message is going to be connected. As we start looking at what are these seven keys, you have to get a hold of what are we talking about. We are talking about confidence in the unseen. Because when you have the confidence in the unseen, then what it looks like, what it feels like, what the physical senses are saying is, is not what matters. It's what does the word of God say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And without faith, it is what? It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that faith comes from the word. And God magnifies his word above all else. So you've got to have, so the word of God, which is what it makes the unseen, real and available to you, becomes central and very important. And when a man waits please the Lord, God will make his enemies to be at peace with him. That enemy might be sickness. That enemy might be disease. That enemy might be lack. That enemy might be some demonic activity, some weapon the enemy is forming against you. Well, when a man waits please the Lord. In other words, when a man is functioning in faith, God will make his enemies to be at peace with him. No wonder it says, no wonder it says this is the victory that overcometh even our faith. No wonder it says that we can quench every fiery dart of the devil with the shield of faith. Because faith pleases God and it causes God God to, to go in to cause things to come to pass. It causes the Holy Ghost to move. He, the Holy Ghost does miracles. But how does he do it? By the hearing of faith. It causes angels to be released. It causes the kingdom of God to be activated. It causes the power of heaven to move. The God of heaven to move. And of course, when we are, so how could it not be that when you are genuinely in faith and you stay in faith, you cannot fail. You, it's impossible to fail. This is the victory. God will move and God will do and God will cause fulfillment. When a man weighs, please the Lord, he will make his enemies to be at peace with him. All right. Now, how important is faith? Well, without it, it is impossible to please God. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. But not only that, whatever area in your life, you may need a grace to be patient. You may need your grace to, to operate in a particular situation. You may need some grace for understanding, for wisdom, for favor, for this, for that. Some kind of grace you need in your life. We are not sufficient in ourselves, but we are sufficient in him. He is our sufficiency. And he is able to cause all grace, whatever manner of grace, whatever kind of grace you need. He is able to cause it to abound towards you. But then listen to this. The scripture says in Romans chapter 4 verse 16, it is a faith that it might be by grace. We are saved by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. When faith is not in place, grace will not flow. Do you need grace? What area do you need grace in? Faith needs to be in place. So faith is absolutely necessary and it is important. All right? Hallelujah. Now, one other point along the line as to why it's so important, let me just mention this. The scripture says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that the just shall live by faith. Once you are born again, you are called the just. You are the righteousness of God. You are one with God. You are righteous. You are the just. Well, the just shall live, shall have his spiritual, shall have his life maintained by faith. Can you imagine a fish or, 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 or let, me not, let me not use the fish. Can you imagine in the physical realm? Can you imagine if you couldn't breed? 
What kind of life would you have physically? <laughs> if any at all. Because breeding is necessary to live. Well, the just shall live by faith. In other words, faith is like the breath of the believer. So if you do not operate in faith, what kind of spiritual life are you going to have? You will be massively handicapped and, 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 and crippled, dysfunctional, and you will just bump into one wall after another, and it will be failure on top of failure, instead of going from strength to strength, and grace to grace, and glory to glory, and victory to victory, it would be one mess after another. The just shall live by faith. God, you have faith. God has given you faith because God wants you to be victorious. All right. In fact, here are seven keys to make your faith work because you got to have your faith. You, you need your faith to work. Faith works, but you need your faith to work. <laughs> Amen. Key number one, you have faith. Say, I have faith. The scripture says in Romans chapter 12 verse 3 that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That means you've got the capacity to believe God. You have got the capacity to, be con to have confidence in what you don't see. You have got the capacity and the ability built into your spirit to be confident in the unseen. Amen? You have faith. You need to know that. This faith has been given to you as a gift. You are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift, not of works, as any man should boast. Ephesians 2 verse 8, say, I got faith. Now, no, 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 here's a wonderful thing. God, God has given you faith as a servant. God looks at you, you get born again. He knows you're going to be in, a, in this world system. He knows you're going to have to deal with devils and demons, sickness and disease, curse operation. He knows that you're going to have to be able to operate in the realm of prayer. He knows you're going to have to be able to, to praise. And you, there are a number of things you're going to have to do. He knows that. And he knows that without faith, you would not be able to do these things. So you know what? Number one, so he gave you faith, but he also gave you that faith as a servant to help you, to serve you, to help you to get things done. Romans, Luke chapter 17, reading from verse 5. The apostles came to, the, came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. You say, oh, the a mulberry tree is going to obey you. Yeah, but it's not just about the mulberry tree obeying you. It's about your faith obeying you. Because faith has been given to you as, a, as your servant. Let me continue. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or, or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Jesus is still answering the same question. This is, they ask Jesus, increase our faith. He's still answering this question on faith. But here he's talking about which of you having a servant plowing, plowing or tending sheep will not say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. He's talking about faith. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? So your faith has gone out there. You couldn't find your keys. Your faith went, went into motion. You found your keys. So you don't put your, you don't put your faith to sleep. Now you need, to, now you need to, 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 to get some healing manifested. Put your faith to work again. You got a financial situation. Put your faith to work again. The just shall live by faith. So, 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 so here, that's what Jesus is saying. But will you not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward you will eat and drink. Afterward you could go back and feed yourself on the word of God. <laughs> Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. God has given you faith and God God commanded your faith. Faith, I want you to go and serve Pastor Dad. I command you, go and serve her. Help her. 
strengthen her. You go serve her. She needs healing. Go get it for her. She needs this. She needs that. She needs this promise fulfilled. You, she, this promise needs to be mixed with faith. I'm assigning you to go be her servant. And so the, when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, increase our faith, Jesus was saying, put your, accept this servant that you got and put your servant to work. Amen? All right. So, what is the point? The point is, A, you have faith. Secondly, you need to know that the faith that you have is enough faith. Too many times we run into a situation and we think, oh, I don't have enough faith. But is it that you don't have enough faith or is it, that, or is it the wrong operation of your faith? Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, listen to what he said. He says, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, this is when they couldn't get the boy delivered. He's, and they asked him, well, why? Why could we not cast that demon out of the boy? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said, with just a mustard seed of faith, the tiniest little bit. The mustard seed is a tiny seed. Just with a mustard seed of faith, you will be able to say to this, to this um, tree, be removed, this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Be moved, get out of here, and it will obey you. And nothing will be impossible to you. In other words, just a little mustard seed faith is enough for you to live in a realm where all things become possible to you. So it was not an issue of the size of their faith. Jesus said the problem was your unbelief, and we're going to come back to that. But what you need to know is that not only do you have faith, and that faith is a gift that God has commanded to serve you and be your servant. Right? No. The, the, no. <laughs> All right. Okay, skip that. But also, too, that this faith that you have is that you have enough faith. You have enough faith. In fact, um, think about it. When you got born again, you were in darkness and you got saved. To be moved from darkness to light, to be born again. Being born again is the greatest miracle that you can ever have. And you did that with that mustard seed faith. If you had enough faith to have the greatest miracle... Then anything else that you need is a lesser miracle. You've got enough faith. So do not buy the lie that you don't have enough faith. There was Jairus who came to Jesus because his little girl was at the point of death. Well, while the conversations and time went by, some folks came from, from Jairus' house and told Jesus, and told Jairus, don't bother the master anymore because the little girl is dead. You know what Jesus said to says, you know what Jesus said to Jairus in, in, in Mark chapter 5 and verse 36? He said to Jairus, only believe. Only believe. In other words, that's all you need. Only believe. And your daughter is going to be made well. Only believe. In other words, Jesus was saying, You got enough faith. Just don't mess it up. Fear not. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to unbelief. Don't give in to doubt. Don't begin to wander and waver. You have enough faith. Only believe. Now, don't forget what that believing is. It's not some partial thing. It is a wholeheartedness. Amen? The disciples. Did the disciples do miracles? Did the disciples heal the sick? Did they, did they perform miracles? Did they have signs and wonders? They did. Now, the scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 that you and I have received like precious faith as all of those apostles. So you've got the same kind of faith, that miracle working faith that the disciples walked in. We have received the same spirit of faith. So I'm simply saying you've got faith, it is a gift, it's there to serve you, and you've got enough of it. Alright? Okay. Key number two. And quite frankly, this is the biggest faith secret that there is. And it's this. Philemon 6. Philemon 6 says that the communication of your faith will be effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. 
It's saying that your faith will work and it will produce if you do what? Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. Well, what does acknowledge mean? Well, in a, in, in a, put it in a simple way, to acknowledge is to recognize and proclaim. Recognize and proclaim. Say recognize and proclaim. Every good thing that is in you in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, you have says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is in your spirit. God has given unto you all things that pertain to life and godliness. When God gave you Jesus, he also gave you all things. In other words then, there is, you have got no deficiency in your spirit. No deficiency. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So then, so here, Philemon 6 says, recognize and proclaim every good thing that you have in you, in Christ. Acknowledge it and your faith is going to work. So what should you do? You study the word of God. You study the Bible and especially the epistles. And you find out what are those specific blessings? Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Well, what are they each and each of these spiritual blessings? What are they? Find them out. Itemize them. Write them down. And then recognize them and proclaim them. How long? You keep proclaiming them until they manifest. The scripture says, they that love is salvation. Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. If you love healing, if you love deliverance, if you love prosperity, if you love the blessings of the Lord, then you say continually. You find out what are those items, what are those individual spiritual blessings, and you say them, you recognize them, and you say them, and you say them continually. You proclaim them. And, what, and then in due time, you will weep and you will have manifestation. Let me give you a quick a, a, a quick little list of some of those things that are in your spirit that you can that, 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 that for you to start with. I'm going to give you five things. Number one, you've got divinity living on the inside of your humanity. Because the scripture says, you are of God and greater is he that is in you. God is on the inside of you. You've got this treasure of God on the inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So acknowledge that. God lives on the inside of me. God lives on the inside of me. I have divinity living inside of my humanity. Christ is in me. Number two, you are a partaker of God's divine nature. You are of God, little children. You are born of him. You are a partaker of his divine nature. His love has been shed abroad in your heart. The new man has been created in righteousness and true holiness. You have obtained the glory of the Lord. Jesus says, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them. All of that, that glory, that love of God shall be brought in your heart. The fullness of God, of his fullness we have received. That's all the nature of God. Say, I got God's nature. So you acknowledge that. You recognize that. You proclaim that. You speak that. And here's a, here's a third. Here's the number three. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20 that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power that is in those that believe. The same power that raised up Christ from the dead. What does that mean? It means that power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you all the time. So what do you do? You acknowledge that. Can you imagine that? You acknowledging, recognizing, acknowledging, and declaring the power of God lives inside of me. The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. God himself lives inside of me. Man, you're going to not be feeling like a weakling and powerless anymore. Are you with me? Do, would those things make your faith work? That's what Philemon says. Acknowledge it. Don't just think, oh, this is nice and this is cute. You got to itemize them, find them out, and write them down and declare them, recognize them, proclaim them, and your faith's going to take off. It's going to start working. Number four, you've got the faith of Christ. As we said, it's, been, it's a gift. So let's declare, I've got that faith. I'm able to believe God. And then number five, the scripture speaks about the, five, the nine fruits of the Spirit. In the nine fruits, you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. All of that stuff, discipline. You've got all of that in your spirit according to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So confess. 
I mean, you might be feeling, you might be feeling all anxious. Confess you have the peace of God. You might be feeling so impatient. Confess that I have patience. Confess that I have gentleness. Confess that I have the goodness. Confess that I've got these things. The love of God has shed abroad in my heart. Amen. Now, here is why Philemon 6 is such a practical application to make faith work. Would you like to know? This comes, that means, now let's go to key number three. <laughs> key number three, calling those things that be not as though they were. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says, talks about God, that Abraham before God, let me quote it correctly. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, as it is written, God said to Abraham, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls God, 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 call those things that be not as though they were. God calls those things that do not yet exist in the natural as though they did exist in the natural. So if you do the same thing, what you are doing is copying God. I think that's good company. God calls those things that be not as though they were. So when you acknowledge and you recognize and you speak what is the, in the unseen, what do you already have in your spirit, that unseen things in your spirit, when you confess and acknowledge and confess, what you are doing is you are calling those things that do not exist as though they were. And when you do that, you are doing Romans 4 verse 17 and Romans 4 verse 17, this is how faith works. You are going to make your faith work because this is how faith works. So, uh, so, in other words, it's like Philemon 6 and Romans 4 verse 17 are, are sisters and brothers. They are, they're, they are a mirror reflection of each other. You, you follow me? That's, what Philemon, that's why Philemon 6 is such an important word because it, it tells you this is what you do. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ recognize it and say it and romans 4 verse 17 says this is how faith works this is how god faith works amen now let me quickly give you five steps by which um by which you can five steps by which you can that are based on romans 4 17 that will make your faith work the way god faith works because this is how god faith works god called those things that be not as though they are God called those things that be not as though they are. And it even says, he gives life to the dead <laughs> and calls those things that be not as though they are. So here are five, five simple uh, keys, so to speak, that are based on Romans, five steps, based on Romans 4, 17, uh, that will make your faith work like God's faith, all right? You might want to write them down. First of all, let me say this. God says... God called those things that do not yet exist in the natural as if it already exists in the natural. Why? Why is God doing that? Because they do exist in the spirit, in the unseen. So what God is doing when he called those things that do not exist in the natural as if it exists in the natural because it exists in the spiritual, what God is actually doing is he is calling to come into existence in the natural by speaking, declaring, and decreeing according as it is in the spirit. Get that? All right. And that is why now Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. It also says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the what? Substance. It's the substance. In other words, it doesn't yet exist. But when you operate in this kind of faith and you call in those things that be not as though they were, that faith gives its substance and calls what is in the unseen and it gives its substance and brings it and causes it to come and exist in the natural. I've got my bone here. My foot here was broken um, 2010, right? And the, and the bone was shattered and there was a gap like this. Walking in faith later on in, 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 in 2011 when I go back and they, they were to have this particular operation they found that this bone where there was no bone the bone grew back and the bone was there what happened? faith gave it substance amen this stuff is real 
Faith is, gives its substance. Okay. And so, um, okay. So here are the five steps as to how you can apply Romans 4 verse 17. Okay. And I'm going to use healing as an example because we, we're kind of familiar to that. Step number one, find the promise of God that applies to your situation. For example, in the area of healing, you make Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, God says, I will restore health and heal your wounds. So you find the scripture, you find the promise. Now it's the same in any other realm, financial or whatever. Step number two, know and believe that that healing that you are believing for already exists in the spirit. Matthew 8 verse 17 says, Jesus bore your sicknesses, he carried your infirmities. And then 1 Peter 2 24 says, by his stripes you were, were, you were healed. So it already exists in the realm of the spirit. Step number three, call the answer, the provision, the promise to come into manifestation here on earth in the natural according as it is in heaven. So you're going to say something such as, I command my body to be healed in the name of Jesus. I command this, I command the, this bone to be, to be straightened out in Jesus' name. I command this pain to go and you, can, you command it. You call the answer. In order you saying, come here. Answer that is in the realm of the spirit, come here to earth. Come down. Be made manifest. You call it. If you have a dog and the dog is over there, the dog name is Pooch, and, and you want Pooch here. What do you say? Pooch! Or let's say it's over. <laughs> you like Pooch? Okay. I mean, Pooch is over there. You're not going to say, uh, and you want Pooch here? You're going to say, Pooch! There, Pooch! There, Pooch! You'll confuse Pooch. What should you do? Here, Pooch! Here, Pooch! Now, Pooch! Come here now. Well, that's what you're doing. You're calling your healing. This exists. Pooch exists. But you would need him here. Healing is there. It's done. The provision is there. But you need it here. So what do you do? Call it. Faith, call those things that do not exist. According as it exists in the spirit. So as to cause it to be made manifest in the natural. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Step number four. Now, from this point, once Pooch is here, <laughs> from this point, from this point on, you speak of it as if it's already done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By your stripes, I am healed. Not going to be. I am healed, Isaiah 53, verse 5. So now you speak of it as is. And then step number five. Stay in faith. <laughs> Through faith and patience, you obtain the promise. Stay there. Maintain that posture. Be steadfast in faith. Do not cast away your confidence. Hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering. Hold fast the joy and the rejoicing of your hope. Stay there. Abound in thanksgiving. Continue there. Continue for how long? Until you have full manifestation. And every trace of that pain, that discomfort, every trace of that lack, every trace of whatever it is that was against you disappears and until you have full manifestation. They that love his salvation, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Now again, we could stop here, but we need to go a little further. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are my healer. Jesus, you are my healer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am healed. Your healing power is flowing in my body 24 hours a day. Jesus, you are my healer. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. And that's how you operate and you stay there. Amen? Got it? All right. So key number four. Now, um... I, I, I'm probably going to just stop at key number four because, anyway, key number four. We have seven keys. Key number four. You do need to overcome, yeah, doubt and unbelief. Jesus said to the disciples, the reason why you had this problem and you couldn't get that boy delivered wasn't because he didn't have faith because all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed and that's more than enough but the problem was your unbelief the scripture the word of god teaches 
that, that I'm, I'm he that wavers and wanders. Let him not think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if you're wavering and you're wondering, it's coming from doubt or coming from unbelief, it short circuits your faith. Can you imagine you have an electrical iron? The electrical iron, it has all its components and nothing is wrong with it. It's fine. And it's plugged in to an electrical outlet, which is working. There's, you know, there's power coming through that outlet. But for some reason, the stuff, the iron is not working. It's not getting hot. What's the problem? The problem is not the iron. The problem is not a lack of electricity and power. The problem is somewhere between that electrical core plugged in there and this, and this, and this iron, somewhere between there, there is a short circuit and the power is being stopped and not flowing. Well, that short circuit could be caused by doubt and unbelief. And you're not going to get that iron to work. You're not going to get that power to flow. You're not going to get that fire to operate. You're not going to get that healing to manifest. Unless you fix the area, you fix that short circuit. Which means you're going to have to destroy and overcome the doubt and the unbelief. Amen? Now, so let's, let's look at this. Let's first of all consider doubt. Doubt. And I'll tell you right up front, you got to learn how to doubt your doubt. Don't believe your doubt. Doubt your doubt. Okay. Matthew chapter 14. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse 25. Now in the fort, you probably know the story, but the, the disciples were told to go to the other side. And they were out there in the middle of the lake. And I mean, and it was, it was all stormy and the you know, and the boat wasn't making any progress, and it was stormy and everything else, and Jesus came walking on the water to them. So in verse 25, it says in Matthew 14, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the water, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked, you know how many people you know walk on water? He walked on water. And when he saw, and when he saw the wind and was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, Oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, we have accused Peter of having little faith. And if you look at this very closely, Jesus said, I mean, I mean, if Peter walking out of the water, walking on water, if Peter, if that was little faith, and Jesus was, I mean, was, was saying, Peter, you got, you, you know, your, your, your little faith, what's the matter with you? If if that little faith means, if, if, if Peter walking water was not good enough, then what hope does it give to you and I? So what does it mean, you of little faith? You see, remember, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? That word little could mean size. That word little can mean duration. Let's go back to Pooch. You see Pooch over there? Pooch is a very little dog. What does that mean? He's not a big dog. He's a small dog. Pooch is a little dog. We talk in size. And then again, on the other hand, I might say, you know what? I think I want to just take a few minutes and I'm going to have a little nap. What does that mean? That means I'm just going to nap for a short duration of time. So that word little could mean size, but it could also mean a short duration. We know it was a short duration. Why? Peter was walking on water. 
So, so the, there was nothing wrong with his faith. He was walking on, on water, and that's quite, that, that's commendable. But the problem is, Jesus says, he began to sink. Why? Because he became afraid. He listened to the boisterous wind. He saw the, the waves, and he became afraid, and he began to sink. And Jesus says, Peter, and Peter, God, Jesus rescued him, and then Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In other words, Peter, you were doing quite fine, but why was the duration of your faith so short? It was little because it was short. It was cut off. That's what it's about. All right, so that tells us what then? Right? It means then, how do we, but that doubt did cause a problem. It short-circuited the electricity. So what should you do? Number one, do not, I always say, doubt your doubt. Doubt might come, but doubt it. Don't, risk, don't believe that doubt. Do whatever you got to do even in the face of doubt, but doubt your doubt. That doubt came because of fear. So what should you do? Refuse to fear. So refuse to fear, doubt your doubt, and then sometimes it's because of ignorance. You don't know what the word of God says. So find out what the truth is. Find out what the truth is. Bind yourself to that truth of the word of God. Refuse to doubt. Refuse to fear. And overcome the doubt. And just go on with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me, let me, let me amplify this a, a little bit. Suppose you were, here you are, you in a mall. And um, I mean you're walking through the mall. And God says to you. I want you to go pray for that lady over there. Or, 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 or you know, just go tell her, you know, uh, how much I love her. And I want you to go pray for her. Because you see the lady there, you can see she have a cane, and you can see she's really having difficulty walking. And God says to you, I want you to go pray for that lady. You know it's God, and you're heading to pray for the lady. But then as you get close to the lady, you look at the lady, when you look at the lady, the lady's face was a little bit, she kind of like snarled at you. And in the meantime, you have all these people in the background. So you begin to think, man, what if, what, if, what, if, what if this lady slaps me? What if she rejects me? What if all these people laugh at me? What if I look like a fool? So you decide not to do it. Now, what happened? Right? What happened? Where that doubt came from? That doubt did not, that doubt, you begin to doubt and the doubt came not because you didn't have the word of God. Not because you didn't have faith. But because you begin to wonder, you begin to look at her, uh, at her countenance, you begin to look at the environment. Like, I mean, it's okay for me to pray for her in church, but not here in the mall. <laughs> All right? Or whatever the case is. Get a point? Okay. Refuse to doubt. Doubt your doubt. Refuse to fear. All right. Now, but then unbelief can also short-circuit your faith. Now, in the story of... of um, in, in, in Matthew chapter 17, you know the story. You could go look it up. This, this man had brought his son to the disciples. For the, and the boy was deaf and dumb. And, and had brought the boy to the disciples. And the disciples could not get the boy delivered. Jesus came, saw the commotion, and asked, well, what's up? The man says, well, I brought my son here to your disciples for them to get him healed and delivered. And they couldn't. So Jesus says, how long shall I be with you? Bring the boy here. So the, they brought the boy over to Jesus. And then Jesus talked to the father and said, how long has the boy been like this? From the time, the father says, from the time he was a child. The devil tried to throw him in the water to drown him or set him on fire, right? And, uh, but if you could help us. And Jesus said, if you would believe. Now, Jesus got the boy delivered. When Jesus cast the demon out of the boy, the boy fell over and he looked like he was dead. Now, one of the things that happened is that when Jesus was... Um, Anyway, the boy, the boy was screeching, making a loud noise, and so on and so forth. Anyway, Jesus got the boy delivered. Now, there's a nice lesson in that, in that there are times where someone, a minister, a, a minister of the gospel, a believer, might fail to get someone healed or delivered. That does not mean it's not God's will to get him healed or delivered. It means they didn't, have, they didn't know how to get it done. Because of doubt, unbelief, or whatever the case is. Because Jesus came along and got that boy delivered. It was God's will to get that boy delivered. Whether the boy had gotten delivered that day or not, it was still the will of God. It's always God's will to heal. It's always God's will to do good. But anyway, so afterwards, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we get the boy delivered? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. 
And then he said, this kind does not go out but by fasting and prayer. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying that this is the problem. It's not a problem with your faith. The problem is with your unbelief that is short-circuiting your faith. And in order to overcome that kind of unbelief, you're going to need to fast and pray. What was he saying? He was not saying that this devil, this devil is too tough a devil. No, there is no devil bigger than the name of Jesus. But what he was saying is this. You see, when those disciples try to cast the devil out of that boy, and you can look at the count in Mark as well, the boy began to, to fart at the mouth. The, the boy was foaming at the mouth. The boy was, was screaming. The boy was, 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 was um, going into convulsions and all kinds of stuff. And, and I mean, and, and the sight was so, was so terrifying. It was so violent that in the process, they began to wander. And then it looked like if the boy was dead. So what happened? They were affected by what they saw. Same thing. Remember what is the whole key to operating in faith, functioning in faith? It is about having confidence in the unseen. Not what is seen in the natural. So Jesus says, here is your solution. You need to fast. You see, you see, when you fast and pray, what happens is you become more sensitive to the witness of the Spirit of God. You become more sensitive to the unseen realm and things, and so that your spiritual, that sixth sense, so to speak, becomes more sharp, more acute. So that even though it doesn't, it's not appearing in the natural, you you'll be able to see and have greater confidence in what's happening in the unseen realm. Amen? Now, having said that, there are some times where unbelief has to do with pride, right? And it has to do with rebellion. You just refuse to do it. I will not believe until I could put my hands in, his, in the in, in the pores in his hand, I will not believe until I can put my hand in. That's that, that, one, that one there is rebellion. <laughs> Amen? That one there is rebellion. So what do you do? Put away your rebellion. Humble yourself. Believe God. Get a hold of his word. But uh, at the end of the day, the, the answer to that old unbelief is you must see the unseen. Amen? Now, one other point concerning this, and then we're going to close. We, we are on number four, but we're going to finish here. What about the issue of um, symptoms? Symptoms can cause, your, can, cause, can cause your faith to collapse. Because when you are believing God and you calling those things that be not as though they are, you saying that by his stripes I'm already healed. I can see it done and done in the realm of the spirit. It's already finished and you do, and you're doing that and you're believing accordingly. But then guess what happens? But then all of a sudden there's this pain. All of a sudden there's this symptom. Nothing has changed. It looks as if it's getting worse before it gets better. That can cause you, if you believe those symptoms, and if you let your faith be, di be, be dictated by the voice of those symptoms, then your faith will collapse. Are you with me? So, here is Jonah. Let me just read this. Jonah was in a situation like that. Jonah was there in the belly of the whale. I mean, we can just Im imagine that, that, that around his neck there was all these seaweeds. In there it was dark, it was filthy, it was smelly. All the symptoms look like disaster, looks like death, looks like there is no way out. Now, listen to how Jonah dealt with that situation. Reading Jonah chapter 2, reading from verse 7. And, I, and as I read this, let me show you some steps to overcome those, those, those lying symptoms. No, no, verse 7. When my soul, this is Jonah talking, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. In other words, then, when, when, I, when I'm there and, my, and I feel like giving up, when I'm, when I'm weary, when these symptoms are getting to me, I, I, I don't know if I could do this. I, 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 I can't believe God. I, I don't think this is working. When I'm beginning to fail, faint, and, I'm, and, and, and I have that giving up thing coming on me, he said, what am I, I going to do? What do I do? What do I do? He says, I remembered the Lord. I begin to take my eyes off my environment and off my circumstances and I begin to look on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Because if I keep looking at these symptoms, I'm going to weary, be wearied and faint. But I begin to consider God. I begin to remember he's faithful. And I remember he was merciful. And Jonah knew God was merciful. <laughs> but that's why he didn't want to obey and, and, and preach repentance. I know God is merciful. I know God is good. I know God is faithful. God is full of power. There is no good thing that he's going to withhold from me. So he remembered the Lord, and that's very important. And then what did he do? And then he prayed. 
He prayed, I remember the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. He began to pray, declare, and decree, but look where is he doing it from. He's doing it from the knowledge of who God is. He's doing it from the knowledge of, for us, from the reality of us being the righteousness of God, not under condemnation. He is praying, he's declaring, he's decreeing, but from the right place. All right, then what else happened? And then it says in verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. In other words then, he decided, you know what? I am going to, I absolutely, I reject, I reject these symptoms that is trying to tell me I'm going to die inside of this fish. I reject these symptoms. I decided I do not receive their testimony. I do not receive their threats. I do not believe them. I do not accept them. In fact, if I allow myself to believe these symptoms, then the very hand of God that wants to deliver me, I'll chop it off. The very mercy, healing, deliverance, provision that is, the, that is coming my way, I will chop it off. So you know what? I reject these symptoms. I'm not saying they aren't there. But I refuse to believe them. I reject them. I say no to them. Because if I do, if I give in to them, I'm going to lose out on my deliverance. And so he says, and the way it puts it, it says, if you regard worthless or lying vanities, you will forsake your own mercy. That's number four. David was in a similar place. In Psalms 27 verse 13, David says, um, what did he say? If I had, he, he says, oh, 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 okay. He's, oh, he says, because I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He says, I didn't faint. I didn't give up. He says, I would have fainted. I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Well, you might faint. You might die. You might even be destroyed by that symptom and by that sickness that is behind that symptom if you do not believe to see the goodness of God. So that was the position that, that um, Jonah also take. And then what else did he do? Now that being the case, he, he took an Abraham position. He didn't focus on, uh -huh, oh man, that weed, that seaweed, oh, is that everything strangling me? I could barely even breathe. This place stinks. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't considering all oh, the symptoms, all oh, the pain. Now, you need to do something to relieve the pain or relieve the symptoms, fine. But don't ponder, don't meditate, don't focus on the symptom. Listen to what Abraham said in Romans 4, verse 19. Abraham said that if um, it, it says in Romans 4 verse 19, he was not weak in faith. He was not weak in faith and he did not consider his own body already dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Had he considered and focused on the deadness of his body and the barrenness and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he would have been weak in faith. But he didn't do that. He didn't consider that. He wasn't focused on the symptoms. And boy, he had symptoms. <laughs> he didn't focus on the symptoms. And because he didn't focus on the symptom, then what happened is that symptom wasn't able to have its paralyzing power of crippling his faith. Instead, what did he do? The next verse is going to say in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. You are strengthened in faith by giving glory to God. All right? So step four is what? I'm going to go this over in a minute. Still so step four, he did not ponder. So Jonah didn't ponder and consider and focus on the symptoms just like Abraham. But what did he do? Number five, he acted on his faith. He acted on his faith and he did it by doing what? In Jonah, in, 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 um, Jonah 2 and verse 9, I think it is, it says he gave God the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of his lips giving thanks. He began to just bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, you're my deliverer. Thank you, Lord, you've always been faithful. And he paid his vows. In other words, then he acted on his faith. 
Now, there are times where sometimes acting on your faith might be sowing a financial seed. Sometimes acting on your faith, like in, in some cases, might be stretch out a hand. It might be doing what you couldn't do before. It might be some corresponding. But Jonah couldn't do, do couldn't sow a seed. Jo, Jonah couldn't take up his bed and walk. But what could he do? What could he do if he really believed God? He could give God thanks. Amen? What did Abraham do? He, he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's very important. So here we are. Here, here is, how, they, here is how, how Jonah overcame those lying symptoms. Number one, he remembered the Lord, who God is. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Know his character. Trust him. Number two, he prayed from that position. Number three, he rejected the unbelieving voice and threats that were coming from the symptoms and the circumstances. Number four, he didn't ponder and focus and have his mind focused on those symptoms. Right? The scripture said, we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. He didn't do that. But then number five, what did he do? He gave God glory and he acted upon his faith by, by rejoicing and giving God thanks. Amen? Now, we're going to stop here for today, and then we're going to come back and look at the, other, at the other three, five, six, and seven. So what have we done? What have we, what have we talked about? We've really covered four keys to make your faith work. Number one, you got to know that you have faith. Number two, you need to acknowledge. You need to do it. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. And number three, you must call those things that do not exist in the natural, as if they existed in the natural because of how they do exist in the spiritual. And then number four, right, you must overcome doubt and belief, and I can add the lying symptoms that may be present. Overcome. You don't ignore the doubt. Don't ignore the unbelief. Doubt the doubt. Do something about it. Deal with the unbelief. Do whatever, fast, meditate in the word so that you can see the unseen. Put away your rebellion, put away your pride and all of that stuff and just trust God and believe God. And then when as, as for the symptoms, overcome the symptoms. Don't allow the symptoms to dictate your faith. Amen? Let's leave it there for now and then we will add a little bit to that next week. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Father, we just thank you right now for your grace. Thank you for this word. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us grace to walk in this. I pray for everyone underneath the sound of my voice that these truths that were shared today would become part of their lives. It will become how they live, how they speak, how they think. That, Lord, you have given unto each and every one of us a measure of your faith. And we are the just. We are to live by faith. And that faith is our victory. That faith is what overcomes the world. That faith is the shield that quenches every fiery dart to the devil. So, Father, I pray that you will bring to our remembrance some of these things that were shared today and that you would grant that grace that we would walk in faith in the name of Jesus.